my, 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 it's a beautiful world I like swimming in the sea I like to go out beyond the white breakers Where a man can still be free Or a woman if you are one I like swimming in the sea Welcome to Gulf Origin Stories. My name's Chris McEwen, and that's uh, Colin Hay from an album called Going Somewhere, a song called Beautiful World. And I don't I, I chose that song kind of randomly. It just happened to pop up the other day as I was listening to music in one of my random playlists. And um, it's always a good one to sort of reset, I feel like. I don't have any fun facts about it necessarily. If you recognize Colin Hay's voice... Uh, for those children of the 80s, maybe if you're a little older, perhaps my age, <laughs> um, that's Colin Hay from the band Men at Work, who had a couple of hits back in the 80s, uh, Down Under, and Who Could It Be Now, I think, were their two kind of big hits. But uh, he went on to do some acoustic stuff, and and Beautiful World is is just kind of a reminder for me to appreciate the things that I have. Um appreciate the life that I have and even this world that I live in. So a um, little touchy-feely to start the show, I guess, but but nevertheless, um, it's a great song. I really enjoy it. It's a very simple, stripped-down song, and um, a lot of his acoustic stuff is like that. He actually, I think on one, one or two records, he does uh, some Men at Work stuff acoustically, which is really fun to kind of hear. So um, go check him out. And if you are on Spotify... I have an actual Golf Origin Story soundtrack that I've built. So every week when a new episode drops, I add the song. So if you want to hear the thing in its entirety, you don't want to go searching for it. You can just search Golf Origin Stories soundtrack and you'll get the uh, the soundtrack. I think there's probably like 45 songs on there now. I can't believe I've been doing this for that long. It doesn't feel like that. Anyways, welcome to the show, everybody. Quick reminder, my one and only reminder, if you like the show and you haven't yet, please subscribe, please rate it, please leave a review, tell a friend, share it somewhere. Uh, maybe the next time you're standing on a tee box waiting for the foursome in front of you, mention it to your playing partners. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Let's get to the show. Today, my guest is Abby Liebenthal. She is, <laughs> I, I don't know if it came off the right way, but... Uh, she's she's young, but I feel like she's been around for a long time because she's been part of the golf world, part of the golf industry well before I got myself involved. Um, and so I've kind of been, you know, following her on social media and things throughout her career. So it's really fun to get her on the show and talk about that. And we go through a couple different sort of origin stories. It's it's hers, obviously her golf origin story where she fell in love with the game and how she fell in love with the game. But, um, but also kind of how she got involved, uh, you know, personally from a, a career perspective in the game. And she's doing, you know, people like me talk about growing the game of golf, but Abby is actually doing it. She is working towards growing the golf through a lot of, of things. So she's got this um, For the Ladies program. She's, she works for the USGA now, and she's she's part of the fan experience and creating this sort of 
fan club uh, for the U.S. Open, which is super cool. And so we talk about that, especially after this wacky, crazy year um, and trying to adapt, you know, from the USGA's, USGA's perspective, which is really cool. But um, but yeah, so we talk about all those kinds of things, um, as well as her podcast that she hosts, also called For the Ladies. And uh, yeah, fun conversation. She's a very interesting human being, and she's doing so much for the game. So let's get into it. Let's have a conversation with Abby Liebenthal. Abby, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm so honored. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because you've been kind of part of the part of the golf media world for a while. And so I I kind of think I know you just from afar because like you've you're like 20 something I'm guessing, but it seems like you've been in the golf world forever. You've always uh, been doing something somewhere. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um I just turned 30 this year. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I don't really mind sharing my age. That's just like, you know, that's just life. Sure. Um, and yeah, I've I've been hanging around for a bit, but it's, it you know, there's, although the golf industry is small, it is still, you know, quite large in regards to the number of people and the number of things you can do. So yeah, like it's true. Someone different. Are you a, um, are you a former Midwesterner? Yeah, I am from Toledo, Ohio. Oh, okay. Uh, born and raised and then went to Indiana. So very Midwest upbringing. <laughs> nice. Yeah. My wife went to uh, IU. Nice. I love that campus. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It is. It's really nice. Um, what now you did, is that where kind of you started with the sort of media stuff? Is that what you were studying there? Yeah. So I, st- I did study journalism. Um IU has kind of shifted since I left. They now just do media and communication. But at the Mm -hmm. time, it was the School of Journalism. And I thought I was going to be a writer um, and quickly realized that there are people much more talented than I am. But at the same time, (laughs) I learned that like I did love being, you know, really in depth into something, into whether it was like a topic or um, a practice. So I, I still you know, lean on my journalism background. I also like really value, a, you know, somebody who writes well. I think it like benefits me that I can write, you know, clearly and concisely as yeah. one should. Um, so, um, and then of course I appreciate good storytelling. So I feel like, I, you know, I appreciate the the background because it makes me have a stronger appreciation for, for those types of things and, and now helps me in marketing. Yeah, for sure. I can relate to that. I started out um, also wanting to be a journalist um, at U of I in, okay. in Illinois. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of came to the same sort of realization that um, this is going to be kind of, for me anyways, a hard nut to crack because there are just so many, like there are people doing so many just amazing things. And so, yeah, I, I moved on to other stuff, but I feel like just that, um, you know, glimpse and sort of that anchor really provided a lot for me because I went on to do some much more kind of boring sort of technical writing, but I always had that sort of journalistic and, and grammatical foundation that I can lean on at, at any time. And it came in really handy. Yeah. And I think it gives you a sense of curiosity that, you know, maybe, maybe some other people wouldn't have. For sure. And I had mentioned before that I always appreciate when I have a fellow podcaster 
on the show <laughs> because you know how this stuff works and you can, uh, you can kind of appreciate, especially you because, so you are, you've started um, the For the Ladies podcast, yes, which is fantastic. Thank you. And, and you understand the difficulty of kind of planning out your episodes with guests involved. Oh yeah. It's not easy. And I don't know what I was thinking when I decided to do a weekly show with a guest every week because man, it's like just nonstop. I'm always kind of looking, looking, asking, asking, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, it's funny that I I discovered your podcast. And I mean, I'd been following you kind of socially for a while, but um, I have tried to make a point on this show. I, I quickly realized after whatever it was, 10, 12 episodes that I didn't nearly have enough uh, female voices on my show. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking, you know, for guests and and for women to come on the show and I kind of thought I was doing well. And then I saw your podcast and I'm like, look at all these guests. These are amazing. Like there's the women that you've had and, and the women of this game are always so thoughtful and well-spoken and they have great perspective on it because you have experienced it and, and the people that you talk to have experienced the game differently. Sure. And, and like boys kind of take this stuff for granted, I think sometimes. So it's just kind of great to hear, you know, what, your perspective is and what your guests per- perspective and what their stories are as you talked about storytelling because you bring that out of them and to hear how they kind of found the game and what they've done with it. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, honestly, it it truly came out of COVID. Um you know, I had to stop running for the ladies events due the, to the pandemic and and people are always like, "But golf, it's like an outdoor activity. You should be able to do it." I'm like, "Yes." However, you know, people are sharing clubs. We have instructors right. who need to like touch people and like be very close to them. So it hasn't been as easy um, to host events as, as I would think it would. So with putting those on pause for for a bit, um, I was really able to like take a step back and think about like, well, what are other things that that people may appreciate? And and I've always really um, admired how other sports are really good at at showcasing women, um, and, and I, whether it. I don't know. I don't like to put blame on golf, but I don't think golf does a super great job of, of putting, shining the light on female leader. Yeah, it does There are so many. I mean, there are so right. many women that are doing amazing things in golf. So, um, I, at first it was just kind of like a little Q and a, like a written one. And then eventually, um, I decided it was time to start talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> You're very good at it. No, thanks. I'm still learning. I, I, I'm, I don't like to talk so much about myself, but I love asking other people questions. Yep. That's, that's why we're hosts. Yes. Cause we get to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, um, the sort of ladies, uh, or, um, for the ladies, uh, kind of get togethers that you started and put together and what is it, how does it work or what, you know, it's, uh, it will come back eventually, but yeah. How, you know, how did that come to be? Yeah, um so I growing up I had always been the the only, f- you know, female in my group of friends who played golf. I played in the summer, you know, I was you know, fortunate enough that my family belonged to a country club and and that was what we did. We went to the pool, we played golf and that was all I did all summer. Mm-hmm. Um and my friends didn't play with me. I had like a few, you know, girls golf friends, but they weren't people I hung out with outside of 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 the summer. So, um, you know, that was my upbringing. And then in college, um, I would go to the range and like, just with guys on like a fun, like outing, like just like something to do. And then 
a lot of my friends again were like, well, we don't know how to play. Like, we're not going to come with you. So this, this just continued to be a trend throughout my life. And, and after working in golf for a few years, um, I was like, it's time, it's time for me to find a way to introduce my, my friends to golf, especially now that, you know, we were all in the workforce for a few years. We, um, some of my friends had passed upon opportunities to play golf because they didn't know how they didn't know where to start. So I was like, I'm just going to like host an event. Let's just see what happens. And I was living in Providence, Rhode Island at the time. Um, and Newport Indoor Golf was so kind. They had no idea what they were getting themselves into. I was like, <laughs> I just want to host an event. Like, I think it'll be like 30 people. And they're like, yeah, like, you know, we'll close down the whole location. They had like six bays and you can do your thing. Well, the day comes and 70 women showed up and I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And so the women like went through different stations um, and it, it was just like such an eye opening experience in that we put so many opportunities out there for, for women and to learn how to play but maybe we weren't doing it the right way. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it was tailored to women who have husbands at a country club or only women who were at executive leadership positions. And I was like, there's this, there's this gap and, and we need to fill it. And it's the women who are perhaps ages like 25 to 40. They don't have clubs. Their families don't belong to country clubs. And, but they want to see what golf is all about. So um, I quickly learned that in Newport and then have hosted a few events since. So I've hosted like nine events across the country. Um, every time I'm like so pleasantly surprised by how many people show up. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think for me, it's I call them introduction to golf clinics because if women come and golf isn't their thing, that's OK. But at least they came and gave it a shot. And like that's that's what I would love to just see continue with for the ladies, especially when I can host events again. Yeah. And you partnered with five iron with five yeah. iron golf. Right. And that's where a lot of those, um, yeah, I had, uh, I love five iron golf. I love the people involved with five iron golf. I think what they're doing, um, just in general to help grow the game is, is fantastic. I had Mike Doyle yeah. on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, you had Nora on your show. Yep. Um, and yeah, they just, it's so, they, I just love that they are open to that and, and they'll host it and they'll teach it and all that kind of stuff. And they basically just volunteer their time for it. It's, it's so great. Yeah. So Mike actually was our host for a virtual clinic that I hosted a few, like a month ago. And mm -hmm. even then we had, you know, 68 women tune in to this like Zoom virtual clinic where amazing. Mike just explained everything about the game. He explained what the equipment you needed was, what a scorecard looks like, how do you fill it out? Like, what are the different areas of the golf course? And, and these are just like questions that some people are afraid to ask because they don't want to look dumb. And I mm -hmm. get that. Like, I don't ask questions when I'm watching football because I don't want to look dumb. So <laughs> I get it. And, and if I can provide like a space as five iron does, if I can provide a space where people like feel like they can come, they can ask their quote unquote dumb questions and, and figure out if they like golf. And I think that's great. And obviously places like five iron are, are continuing to, to make golf so much more welcoming to, to anyone who wants to try it out. Yeah. What do you think have been some of the biggest sort of light bulbs for your students, quote yeah. unquote students. What do you think they've kind of, because to me, I, I remember thinking, and by the way, 
I, I've told this story before when I first started playing golf. I didn't start playing until I was 30. Okay. And uh and so I didn't really I mean I watched it a little bit, but I didn't know the rules necessarily. And uh for like the first five times I went out and until finally I think it was my dad who was like, What are you doing? I would take practice swings in a bunker hitting uh-huh. The bunk, like going through the sand. Yeah. No one ever told me that stuff. Right? No. I didn't know. But anyways, um, back to my, my original question. What are some of the some of the light bulbs that have gone off, you think? Yeah. I think I think it's more about you you quickly realize like where the opportunity lies. So the light bulbs for me have been like equipment. Equipment is so confusing. Mm-hmm. You, like and I didn't, you know, I worked for Titleist. Like I lived and breathed equipment. So like <laughs> it, I, it all just like comes second nature to me. Like I'm, a, I'm like, of course this is what you need. And this is the gap you need to fill with your set. And like it just, I didn't even think twice about it. But, you know, I was sitting in on this virtual clinic and women were like asking, you know, why do you need a different like length or you know, why do the irons, like, why do they continue to decrease in height? Um, and why do you need a wedge? Or like, you know, why, you know, the, he would play a whole, Mike would play a hole during that virtual clinic. And um, he had Veronica Ryan join him, who is okay. their head of marketing. And she would hit a shot and the women were like, well, why did she choose that club? There are just so many, like, I think to me, equipment is so confusing. And that was the light bulb that really came up to me is like, you know, regardless of if it's a female set of clubs, a unisex set of clubs, it doesn't really matter. It's still really confusing. So I just think that there's so much more education that actually needs to be done. And the more that um, I can be helpful in that or, companies can can be you know provide that like introduction because it's confusing and and then of course the playing the game itself is confusing and there's all those rules but you know what I always say is like for the ladies is about is about like breaking down these barriers there are so many barriers that like it's, it should yeah. take me a lifetime to break them down so yeah um so yeah I think that's been the biggest light bulb to me is just like Equipment is really confusing. And then also my second like big light bulb was if you offer the opportunity to play golf, people are going to come. If you make it, you know, welcoming, accessible, not like a big deal and kind of a casual thing to participate in, people will come. And and I've been so pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. Amen. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. I feel like just as, you know, ambassadors of the game, right? Um it's our kind of duty almost to show that it doesn't, it's not the stuffy kind of thing that I think a lot of people think it is that don't actually participate. Really what it comes down to, at least for me in most cases, in all cases is is just, I want to be outside with my friends being doing something. And it just so happens that I enjoy hitting a little white ball around, you know, for four hours or whatever. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I always, I always hope that people continue to be more inviting, um, whether it's inviting them to, to play around or come to the driving range or just introduce them to other people in the game, I think is is what makes golf so great, but it also can hold people back. So, Yep. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting about the equipment thing. Just while you're talking, I was trying to think if, are there any other sports that 
have equipment like golf, like in baseball, you have a bat. You have the one bat. I mean, granted, there's different types or whatever, but like it's just a that's your that's your club. No, just the bat, you know, basketball and soccer, it's a ball. It's yeah. like, but yeah, golf, you're right. It just gets, uh, it can, I can see how it could be overwhelming because you have all these different types of the same sort of thing that you use in different situations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was so funny on in this virtual event because we had a, um, a representative from Callaway joined and she was sharing their new um, Reva line, which is like their, their new women's line. And she was bombarded with questions <laughs> afterward. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel terrible. But people were just so interested in like finally getting their questions answered about equipment. So it, it definitely opened my eyes. That's awesome. You had mentioned that you worked at Titleist. So yeah. let's talk about your career a little bit. Is that where you started out no, of college? Okay. No. So, I, so when I was at IU, um, I had – an internship advisor recommended to me um, to look at the AJGA internship, which is the American Junior Golf Association. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that my sophomore year. Between my sophomore and junior year of college, I, I did the internship. And then I did it again between junior and senior year. And then I was offered a full-time position with them after college. So worked at the AJGA um, and for a lot of people, it truly is like a stepping stone into the rest of the golf industry, if that's what you want to do. So from there, I worked for Tiger Woods Foundation. Um, and I was the, like, I worked on media for, for the foundation. Um, you know, he hosts PJ tour events to support the foundation and raise money for it. And, mm-hmm. and I was kind of the person in the media center, making sure that people's requests were fulfilled. So um, and then I would also like write bullet points for Tiger about the foundation so that he could speak to, to you know, oh, wow. the specific numbers and things that, yeah. you know, and, and that was such an amazing experience. Um, but as you, you could probably see, I worked for two nonprofit organizations. So um, a mentor of mine was like, you know, if you really want to like continue to grow in this industry, you should, you should explore some for-profit groups. So um <laughs> I went to Titleist and worked in the marketing department, oversaw their social media, as well as Team Titleist, which was like their online community of golfers. Um, And then from Titleist, I did a short stint at Imperial Headwear. And and I say short because I went to, um, I did online grad school at Northwestern in integrated marketing and communications. Yeah, it was, it was like, it was the best decision I ever made. I I learned so much. And I quickly realized I was like, oh, I want to like put all of these new skills to task. And so um, I left Titleist and went to Imperial, which had much more of like a startup feel. And I loved it. Like I loved that I could like touch everything at the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the USGA came with an opportunity to uh, to oversee and create a fan club for the US Open. So that's what I do now. That So, okay, let's go back just a minute. Because I have to, what was it like? You wrote words that Tiger Woods spoke. Yeah, I, you know, so, it, it was, was <laughs> it's not like I like wrote a, like a speech for him. I, you know, I, the speeches I would help with were for like the CEO of the foundation. Okay. Um, but I would, Tiger, like he was so knowledgeable about the foundation, the kids that benefited from things like the Earl Woods Scholarship Program and 
he didn't need that. Like he had those okay. emotional ties to the or the foundation, but you know, there's like numbers, like how much money has right. the organization raised and, you know, just like little specifics. So I would just always make sure he had like the latest and greatest. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, if I'm walking down the street, he, he wouldn't recognize me. People always ask that, like, would he know you? I'm like, no, but like, think about how many people the man like right. meets per day. Like, so, um, but it was such an honor. It was like one of the coolest experiences I could have ever had. The staff, I love the staff. I still remain like incredibly close to a few of them. They're they're so passionate about the foundation. And it, it is like a very sophisticated education foundation. I'm, I'm always really amazed by how much they do. Um, and when I was leaving, like he wanted to reach 1 million students through wow. digital platforms. And I'm sure he's either surpassed that or is yeah. getting close. So it, it is like a, a very, to me, it's a little bit of an underrated element of um, his career and, and his legacy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're right about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he doesn't, I mean, you see it like in the, in, in bits and blurbs and things like that, you know, like, Oh, it's this, he's doing this for, you know, for these kids or this for that, but you don't really, it's always just, you know, you end up going back to like, Oh, how's his back? something that's totally irrelevant to that yeah. kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of PGA tour players who have foundations who are so dedicated to them. Like you think about the Kevin Kisner foundation, like he is so dedicated to that. Found you can just tell. Um, yeah. But then there are others where like they have a foundation cause that's, you know, that was something they wanted to do, but maybe they're not as passionate about it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's just interesting to see. So talk about this, um, this U S open fan club that, I mean, it's an interesting, it was an interesting U.S. Open to kind of do this at, right? Yeah. It's a little different than what I think you were probably expecting. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I joined the, I joined the USGA in February, right before the pandemic. Wow. And haven't been in the office since March. So I had a really short time in the office. Um, but we actually, you know, I was good. I was supposed to just go through the U.S. Open this year and, you know, not... I mean, observe and support and, and see what this fan club could be. Mm -hmm. And since we weren't going to have fans on site and we didn't have them on site, it actually created this opportunity for us to create the fan club. There was almost more of a need for it so that we could engage with fans virtually. You know, we, we had a way then to, to email fans and provide them those opportunities and show them like what they could get involved with during championship week mm -hmm. um, that we maybe wouldn't have had as easy of like a poll to choose from. Um, so, so it ended up being almost like a necessity rather than um, just like a nice to have in the end. So mm -hmm. when I say that, like we, we held um, a few fan experiences with Cisco, for example, where fans were on the first T video board live um, and could watch players tee off and like cheer for them. We also did um, like ask a player or f we called it like fan flash where, okay. you know, these, the fan club is called the victory club and victory club members could um, ask 
players who visited visited that station a question and like it was like i mean they could ask you know kind of That's whatever awesome. they wanted we had one guy yeah. who like who called in and was like so if i'm betting this on you this week it was <laughs> really funny and then and then of course we had like kids who tuned in and and the players would sign autographs for them that that i would then fulfill so like any sort of like fan experience that i'm is either virtual or it's on site in the future um I support and and the Victory Club is just kind of our way to it's a, it's truly a fan club like any other that you would join in if you're a fan of an NFL team NHL if you're a booster for a college team like it's truly just like that but it just happens to be for um, our championship and right. in the future you know we're gonna try to do like really things that I really enjoy which are like golf events that if you're part of the victory club, you could come to Pinehurst and play, you know, all play the same layout as what the players did in 2014. Um, So, so like, you know, providing really cool experiences like that, that make the U S open even more special is, is what I'm most excited for. So what was it like realizing? So when, when it was announced, there was no fans. Yeah. What was the, what were the zoom calls like? For you, for you and your team, I and you know it was a lot of like scenario planning, like and which was such a good lesson for me. Like I never had to do like a, some sort of scenario in which you can have people or can't have people at your event. It was you know so a lot of it was that at the beginning of because no one knew that we would yeah we did not go to events all the way through June and then yeah. all the way through September. So. Um, I, I think it was just a lot of like, just like everybody else in, in every other industry. It was just like, okay, these are the cards we've been dealt and how can we still make this really special? And, and how can we, you know, what are the things that we need to be doing to make sure people can still experience our event in, in the best way possible? And um, we learned a lot and I think we're really <laughs> excited to, you know, refine certain things for the Women's Open. Um, because, you know, things are like clunky, like mm-hmm. anytime you hop out of zoom, it is clunky. Any, <laughs> it was a Cisco WebEx. So, um, we learned a lot and I, I'm really excited about the women's open because, which is being held in December because we're, you know, we were, we're now able to perfect what we were doing before. And, um, I, I, I hope it's like something I never have to do again, but at the same time, <laughs> there are things like, I definitely want to bring to the championship again, even when we do have fans. So for sure. Yeah. I think I'm sure there was a, there was a, um, there was a bonding too, that you'll always remember the people that <clears throat> you, you planned this unique sort of event with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then being on site was like even more surreal. I, I, yeah. People were like, what was that like? I'm like, it just felt like it never really started. And then all of a sudden Bryson had his hands in the air on 18 and you're like, okay, like, right. That just happened. So, yeah. Wow. All right. So you're currently planning the Women's Open in December. Are you also already preparing for Tory Pines? Yeah. I mean, as much as we can, um, the the Women's Open is obviously our main priority. And and I'm more of like a supporting role on that team. My main focus right now is U.S. Open. But um, it, it... it's a, again, it's, I feel like it'll just be like a lot of scenario planning. Like we, we can't control the, the situation. Um, and 
Uh, but there are things that we want to do, you know, there, there are experiences that we want to have on site and we'll, we'll start planning for them. And if we have to pivot, we kind of will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's basically, if we can do this, yeah. then we're going to do that. If we can't, we'll do this and that. Right. Yeah. 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 So you had talked about, you know, as an intern, you worked for a golf, um, company basically a non-for-profit but so was that your once you decided you weren't going to be a journalist were you going to work in the golf industry full stop that was your plan um kind of I think I quickly realized by working at the AJGA like how many opportunities were out there because the, you know each event has a sponsor so you quickly realize like, oh, like I could work for a TaylorMade, a Titleist. I mm-hmm. could work for a KPMG, but in like sports sponsorships. And um, it just really opened my eyes in a very quick way to what I could do. And then in addition to that, I like I quickly fell in love with getting to know the junior golfers and like see watching them have success. Like that was the most rewarding thing to me is like seeing these junior golfers have success, earn college scholarships, and then kind of like follow their journey after that. Mm -hmm. It was was like such a rewarding thing that I was like, well, why would I, why would I go do something else when I loved this so much? Um, So yeah. And, and at each, you know, at each role that I held, um, at least in like the first four years of, of my career, like I, every new opportunity that came by, it was kind of just like the right time for me to jump, jump ship or just move on. <laughs> right. Because I like, I, I knew that there was something new that I needed to learn. And it's not like I left thinking like, oh, I've done everything I could because I'm sure I could have done more. But I just knew that like this opportunity in front of me was in golf and it was going to teach me something new. So um, I, and it's funny, like at one point, um, I, I tried interviewing at places like I, I interviewed with like McDonald's <laughs> and Kate Spade and like, you know, some non-golf organizations. And yeah. I think that they just like, they were like, you love golf. Like why? <laughs> and, and, and certainly they probably just thought I wasn't experienced enough because I hadn't worked in those industries. So, um, so yeah, here I am and, and I love it and I I love to play it too. So that makes it unique and um, it's just been good. Do you get out to play a lot? I know sometimes when you're in the industry, you, do, you know, a lot of people don't find themselves on the golf course as much as they would like. Yeah, I would say that prior to my time at Titleist. I, I actually felt like I played a good bit once I got there. Um, this year has been incredibly unique. I (laughs) played more golf than I ever have in my entire life. I I think I've recorded like 50 something rounds in in gin. Yeah. Like an insane amount of golf. And, um, and that's certainly because of the circumstances, like, you know, when the pandemic was in its kind of infancy in the United States, we went down to Pinehurst and we were there for 50 days and I, Oh my! Played a lot goodness. of golf after five o'clock, like you just could, and then, um, you know, joined a club uh, in my hometown for the summer, and it, it just the opportunity was just there, and so yeah, I've played a ton of golf, but <laughs> before that, I, before that, I I didn't as much. You know, if I got out like two times after work in the summer, I was happy. Really? Well, you you made up for it. I mean, fifty days at Pinehurst. 
Yeah. I mean, was, come on. Yeah, it was great. It was great. We're actually headed back there um, this weekend. So. <laughs> oh, man. I was going to ask, like, our, our season's winding down in Chicago. Probably Saturday will be, I'm guessing, the last round, unless there's a flukish day. But, um, but you're going to keep on going over there, huh? You're just going to head south. We're just going to head south. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least Not for a, a bad little deal. bit and, and might as well. So. Is it going to be another marathon stay? No, I don't know. No. Okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I wish, but no, I think it might be like two weeks and then we'll come back to New Jersey. Got it. So you have, this, I don't know if this is, this might be too much of a personal question, but it seems like you really seem to enjoy seeing people succeed and, and seeing people flourish within the golf world. You know, you did this stuff with the kids and you're doing stuff with women now. Is that something that was kind of, is it, were you raised sort of to, to, to appreciate that kind of thing? Or where do you think that came from? I know. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I honestly have no idea. (laughs) I, I think it's just like that sense, like it just really gives me a sense of fulfillment to, to see other people do well. And, and I want to do well, I want to be successful and like, I want to continue to grow in my career and, and do the best I can. But, um, I think in like my, if, if I can find like self-fulfillment in things on the side, like that ends up giving, when I see like other people succeed, whether it was like the junior golfers, like going up the ranks and, or women learning how to play golf, like I think it just like, it gives me that sense of fulfillment and it's hard yeah. to explain. I don't know where I like learned it, you know, not to say my parents are bad people. But like, <laughs> I wasn't like, I wasn't like volunteering on the weekend. Right. And, and it may have just been like a sense of maturity. Like at some point I was like, what I should be doing something to, uh, to not, I don't, I don't like to say give back, but I just like, I should be doing something to like help the world and like, you know, make it a better place and, right. and golf is my outlet to do that and to, you know, give people joy, then, then great. Yeah. I think, I mean, really what it comes down to is because you're a mid, you're a Midwesterner. Yeah, probably. And we're, we're the best. We've got the biggest hearts and we're just the best. <laughs> That's how that works. All right. So you mentioned uh, that you were brought up in the game Yep. as a young child. So, so tell me where this game grabbed you. How did you fall in love with this game? I play, I mean, I played it a lot when I was younger. So from elementary school through high school, played golf and quickly realized I'm not a competitive golfer. Like (laughs) I am just out there to have a few, like hit a few good shots, feel really good, be outside, play music, like have an activity to do with friends. But when I was in high school, like I would cry during my competitive rounds if I was really bad. And I was like, this is not going to work. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think I like kind of drifted away from the game in college and then came back to love it once I was at the AJGA. And like, it was truly just like watching watching golf like watching golf made me like kind of get that itch to play again um you then quickly realize like junior golfers like elite junior golfers are much better at golf than (laughs) adults so um 
but yeah, I think I fell in love with the game again once I started working in it. Um, but I definitely drifted away from it in in like late high school through college. And it, again, it was because my friends didn't play. Um, mm-hmm. And now I feel like I've made so many friendships in golf that um, it, it's brought me back completely. But um, I think and then like a truly like deeper love, like I am like in this for life. I just feel like kind of came with working at Titleist. Um you know, the people there just love the game so much and, um, and they all, you know, want to get better. So yeah. I think that's where I kind of like really kicked in. Like, I want to get better at this game. I want to have like good equipment, like that's what I was <laughs> talking about. So yeah, I think that's where it, where it really hit me again. Are you still loyal to Titleist? Is that, is that what's in the bag now? Um, it's in the bag now, but that's mostly just because I haven't like purchased any new equipment. Just updated anything. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I like, I don't know. I don't like, I'm not like a brand loyalist, I don't think. Um, that's but, good. You should just play whatever yeah, you know, makes you better, right? Right. Yeah. So, so no, I don't think so. Um, and I think that there are just a lot of brands doing like really amazing things. And to me, I would rather support brands that are maybe like more invested in women's golf or more invested in giving back to the community. Like, I think maybe that's where maybe my brand loyalty lies now. And if that's Titleist, then great. But, um, <laughs> but I think like that's how I try to make more decisions in life. So, so that's probably what I would do moving forward. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Now when, when you were, so when you were little, you said it was like a family thing. It was just assumed that, everyone played golf. Was it, was it a, a dad driven thing or was it just the whole family was full of athletes and this is one of the sports you're going to play or, or how did that work? Yeah. My, my dad played every day in the summer um, and still does today. Like he play, he has a group of guys, they play, you know, every, every morning or afternoon, it's their game. That's what they do. So it was kind of just like a bonding experience for, for me and then my brother um, played as well. And he ended up playing collegiate golf. He played at Sacred Heart University. So, um, he had like a a much different route in that he wanted to play competitively. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, and he, he doesn't play like professionally or or anything now, but he, he did play in college, which was great. But yeah, it was just like, this was something we're going to do. And then it was great, great to have a family activity. And then again, you know, now we play when I'm home in Ohio, like that's what we do. We go play around and mm-hmm. next week, like we're meeting my dad and my brother to play golf. So it's just like, it's just become a family activity. And and I am so grateful for that because it, it's something for us to do. It's something for us to talk about, connect about. Um, and I appreciate it so much more now than, than I ever have before. Yeah. That's that's basically how I got pulled. I got pulled into the game because my dad and my brothers decided okay. to to get good at it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, we're gonna we're doing this like because we were a baseball family. We're the same way, except we played baseball, you know, two hundred days a year and <clears throat> different leagues and travel and the whole thing. And then, um, yeah, they they decided they were gonna play golf, and I was like, all right, let's do let's yeah. do golf. Like now, do you go on trips? And stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've, I've had some of the honestly, I've had you know, um, some of the most honest, deepest, best conversations with my dad and my brothers on a golf course than anywhere else. Totally. You know, like that's just when we have those, those moments together now. And it's the best, it's the absolute best. 
Yeah. No, I know. I, my, so we, we belong to a club in Toledo and we, um, my fiance and I were playing it out. He's like, oh yeah, this is where I asked your dad if, if I could propose to you. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, well, that must be stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, that's just like, and it's, you know, to me, I, I love the game. So that's kind of like a fun thing to know and, and something to, to notice when I play that hole again. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, how, how that's absolutely perfect. It's like where, you know, life comes full circle. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's that's special. so cool. So what do you have planned for the rest of this year? You're going into you're planning while well, you're part of the team planning for the women's open. You're planning yep. for the U S open next year. You've got hopefully, well, you've got your podcast. Hopefully we can get into a place Maybe that uh, you can have another one of, are you doing any Zoom meetings or anything? Any more of those kind of things or just hoping or? So we had, since we had so much success with the one, um, I'm guessing we'll try to do another one maybe in December. Um, But yeah, I mean, on the work front, just a lot of planning for the Women's Open and then obviously executing it and then moving on, excuse me, to the, to the U.S. Open and, you know, selling tickets to Torrey Pines and, uh, yeah you know, begin those scenario plans, but (laughs) hopefully just planning for, for fans to be there and, you know, creating an experience in which the victory club is now part of, which I'm excited about. Um, you know, how do we create something that you have to be a victory club member to, to, to attend, whether it's something like top golf on site or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, how can we, how can we make it special for those members? And then, Um, and then also on the USGA side, you know, working through things like how can we support women in the industry and, and how can we, you know, expand like the junior golf programming and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. work through those things for 2021. So, so I'm excited to, to be a part of that for the first time. So it is still a little bit of a learning curve for me there. Um, and then on the, for the lady side, I'm Yes, continuing to do the podcast. I have some LPGA guests, so I'm really. I excited. saw that. So, can you give any sneak preview on this show about your guests on that show? Sure, I. Am oh, you can. You could say no. It's okay. Oh, I don't care. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am having Mel Reed. Um, That's awesome. I'm really, really, really excited about. Um, and Sophia Popup. So. Um, really fantastic. Those, and hopefully they'll be out. One of them will be out probably next week. And then, um, the next one I'll, I'll put out the following week. Um, but then I'm going to kind of take a break from the interviews and I'm going to, since I'm going to be down at Pinehurst, I'm going to do a series with one of their PJ professionals, Gabby Weiss. Um, and we're going to do kind of a golf 101, but can I, are do you, do you cuss on this show? Sure. It's so it's gonna be a golf one oh one what the fuck is blank and awesome. so like WTF scorecards, WTF equipment, and just kind of like have a casual conversation with her about um what all are what are all of these things. And and I think for some women it'll be like a nice golf one oh one of like just like silly questions like WTF women's golf apparel. So like <laughs> you know, just like a much shorter podcast. Um yeah. But I think it'll be a really fun, fun series to to enter the new year. Um, and then last for For the Ladies will be, I guess, two things. One is we, we are um, part of the Five Iron Golf Leagues um, and we have teams in every city. So 
um, you know, just supporting those women, sending them some swag and, and, you know, making them feel like, uh, you know, that we're supporting them as a team for the ladies participants. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. That one I was, was like super impressed by how much participation there is. And then, um, planning 2021 events. I, the only one I have on the calendar right now is Dallas in February. Um, but we are hoping to go to California. I'll go back to Arizona, Minneapolis, Boston, um, Denver, and then we'll do some on the East Coast as well. Very cool. So, no Chicago? You're not going to come back to Chicago? No, we'll definitely come back to Chicago. That okay. was our um, most attended event. So Is that right? Yeah, we had 100 women and oh it was insane. I mean, it was like the coolest thing ever, but it was insane. Like we had a group of women who took um, a party bus because they were coming from the suburbs. Wow. <laughs> and it, I, it was, I like haven't smiled so big for such a long period of time because it was <laughs> like so cool to see. So um, obviously like need to work through like how to do that again and COVID and numbers of people and such, but right. uh, we will find a way to host for the ladies events and um, it should be fun. It, a lot of, a lot of fun planning. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, that's like two blocks from my house. That's why it's so funny. So it just, it opened last year or whatever. And I was so yeah. excited and I would walk down there. I'd go in the morning before, cause I don't, I didn't own a car at the time. So I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'll walk there play around a golf in the morning and then I'll walk to my office. And then of course everything fell apart after that. But, but yeah, that's my neighborhood. I love that place. So fine. Oh yeah. I'm jealous. I wish, you know, <laughs> obviously we have two in New York city, but it's, it's still like a little bit of a hike to get there. Yeah. Got to go over the river. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, uh, how can they find you on Twitter and, and, Instagram and things like that. Oh, so on Twitter, I am Abby Leibs and that's L-I-E-B-S. And then same on Instagram. And then okay. For the Ladies has just an Instagram and it's F-O-R-E, the ladies. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's where that's where I tell people to kind of look for like all updates on like locations and yeah. new things coming out and gear. So those, those are the places to look. And where can they sign up for... Um, is it Victory Club? Oh yeah, that's usopen.com slash victory club. And okay. it's so easy. Like we just ask for your first name, last name, and email. Like we, you know, we just want a way to kind of get in touch with you. And um, you know, I some people are like, I don't want another email, but our cadence is once a month. And unless there's like some, you know, unless a championship is going on. Right. Um, <laughs> but it, it's you know, it's free to join. And you get like discounts on merchandise and tickets and, uh, it's free to join. I assume that there was at no, least some yeah, sort of free to join. Really? No, like we don't even have like a tiered program. Like it's just free. So, uh, oh, and we man. tend to send like free, a free gift to some people, <laughs> um, before the year's end. So yeah, sign up. It's great. Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, I, I what the when you were describing it, I just assumed there had to have been like a membership fee. No, but, no. The wow, good for you. That's yeah, awesome. The membership man. side of like the 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 membership side of thing is like USGA. Like you buy yeah, yeah. membership and like yeah, but for the US Open, it is free. <laughs> wow. All right. So well, thanks. This is great. I'm so glad that you that you made it on the show. 
Yeah. I really appreciate it. I love what you're, what you're doing. I think it's just so great. Um, and I'm so envious of some of the guests that you've had. <laughs> I mean, they're just so good. So for anyone who, who wants much more thoughtful uh, discussion, go listen to Abby's podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Abby. I appreciate it. Thanks. So that is Abby Liebenthal uh, of the USGA now, which is so <laughs> impressive to me. Um, she, you know, the more and more I have women on the show, the more I'm just so impressed with what they do to help grow this game. I feel like every time I talk to someone, they're, they're, that's what they, I mean, they're, yes, they love golf, but their passion is really to, to share that love of golf and to try to get more people involved. And it's just, it's very inspiring. And it reminds me that I'm just not doing enough in that space and I need to do more. Not sure what it is yet, but I'm going to keep on figuring it out and working on it and try to bring more people into this game that we all love so much. So thank you, Abby, for coming on the show and thank you for all the work you're doing. Go and listen to her podcast, For the Ladies, and that's for as in the word that we yell on a golf course when our ball is listlessly drifting to the right into the other fairway most of the time and uh, and go give it a listen. She's got some really good guests on there, some really great conversations. And um, I will also, in the show notes, put uh, all of Abby's social media handles uh, in there. And the other thing I'm going to put in the show notes is a direct link to sign up for the Victory Club because it is so easy. I literally, I, I just did it. It's, it's your name, it's an email address, and I think your date of birth. And that's it. You sign up, you go, and you're set. And you're ready for 2021 when everything is back to hopefully some sort of normalcy. And hopefully we can get early access to tickets or swag or whatever it may be. Also, I noticed while I was poking around the USGA website, is that if you're into US Open swag uh, from this year... Everything on there, I think, is on sale. Something to the effect of 30% off, maybe. So if you want to grab yourself some winged foot stuff, now's the time. Head to the website. Buy some stuff. But more importantly, sign up for Victory Club. It's a win-win. Otherwise, that is the show. Thank you again for listening, everyone. Thank you for all of the feedback. It's been great. It's been so much fun to, to talk to you about the show make some inside jokes about the show. Uh, thank you for the reviews and all of all those great things. I really, really do appreciate it. I can't thank you enough. But with that, we'll go back and we'll play a little bit more of Colin Hay, Beautiful World, and I will talk to everyone next week. Mm-hmm.